So I'm looking at the notes for today's program and the stories that I have lined up. And even though many of the stories seem to be bad news, trouble ahead, in the midst of it all, I see some good news. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about some of the good news in the bad stories. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. We made it through another week. And there are times that, especially over the past month or so, I wonder, will I make it through the week? Some of it has to do with health issues that they're beginning to resolve themselves better. We have to go through the same procedure that I did again in January. That may put me back a little bit for a while. But I do have plans for the year 2023 if the Lord should tarry. I really believe that there is opportunity for those that still love our Lord in spite of all the difficult and and hard times that we're facing. And, And I've thought about this too. Things are different today than they were 50 years ago, 100 years ago, even 80 years ago during the Second World War. I know things are are vastly different. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I was thinking just just in my lifetime how, how rapidly things have changed in terms of technology, in terms of attitude, in terms of how we deal with things today in society, in media, in politics. I'm thinking it was about 50 years ago, still in school, studying the electronics trade. If I had gone to school one morning, now hear me out on this. I used to get up early in the morning because I had to be at school early to be in class. And then when I finished, I grabbed something to eat, changed my clothes, headed off to work, until 9 o'clock at night. If I had ever gone to that school and I stopped by and got my cup of coffee out of that little machine for I think it was like maybe a dime, maybe it was even free some days. And if my instructor came into the classroom and announced and said, my name is Pat and my pronouns are him, he, or she and her, or we and they, we would have looked at each other. I would have looked at him. I would have grabbed my stuff. I would have headed to the bursar's office and withdrawn from that school because I'm being being taught electronics by a very perverted individual that has some serious issues. I would have just gotten up and left. I would have thought the man is crazy and I'm not going to deal with it. And how many of you, if you had gone to work 50 years ago, if you're old enough to remember, maybe even 40 years ago, 30 years ago, if you went in and your employer left you a memo and wanted you to define your preferred pronouns, you would have thought they'd gone crazy. But this is now the norm in many places. You know, I get this stuff in email all the time, 
and and it's like they want to know what my preferred pronouns are you know and i just tell them none of your business if you can't figure it out it's none of your business this is where we've gone we are distorting the world around us we're believing things that are lies and making them the new gospel truth in our world one of, one of the listeners to this program shared a story with me the other day and i'm not going to get into it much i'm just going to kind of read the headline and it comes from the new yorker the new yorker and it's an article that came out a few days about a week or so ago it's called dimming the sun to cool the planet is a desperate idea but we're inching toward it the scientists who study study solar geoengineering don't want anybody to try it but you know the climate inaction is making it more likely that it's going to be forced to have to happen dimming the sun to cool the planet. I can tell you in parts of the country right now, here in the Northern Hemisphere, in the United States, in Canada, we don't need to be dimming the sun. The people in Buffalo, New York, do not need you dimming the sun. The people in Northern England do not need you dimming the sun. The people in Norway and Sweden, Ontario province of Canada, British Columbia, Montana, upstate new york we don't need you dimming the sun this is insanity and we're told in this story if we decide to solar geoengineer the earth and spray a highly reflective group of particles of material like sulfur into the stratosphere and that'll deflect the sunlight to cool the planet The whole idea behind it is based on the idea of Mount like Pinatubo in the Philippines that back in 1992, you know, exploded. And it cooled the world for a couple of years. I remember. And then right after that, they started, when the temperature started coming back to normal, then you had everybody talking about global warming. Isn't it funny how that works out? This worshiping of the earth, this worshiping of the creation, not the creator, is going to have some serious ramifications, and I think sooner than later. Dan Schrag, who's the director of the Harvard University Center for the Environment, who also serves on an advisory board for geoengineering, uh, he's concerned. He said, I'm not saying they'll do it tomorrow, and I'm not sure if it's a great, great idea, but, you know, we need to speed up the timeline because the Earth is going to essentially, to hear these people on MSNBC and CNN say it, the Earth is going to go poof and just burst into a ball of fire. There is nothing new under the sun. Weather patterns come and go. Climate varies from generation to generation. It always has. It always will. But these earth-centric, in terms of worship the earth-centric, they fully believe the lie that they are espousing. They have given it over 
like a religion, which is what it really is. It is a pagan, it's a neo-pagan religion. But they believe that their science can save them. They believe their intellect, their merging of themselves with machine. We mentioned it on the program Thursday about Yuval Noah Harari, who's a very strange individual that believes in transhumanism, that we can have eternal life if we can just merge the human mind with machine and then dispose of useless people, let them die off, or maybe they can be hurried along to save the planet. It's all about saving the planet. The now-gone Georgia Guidestones had on it that the sustainable population of the earth needs to be held down to 500 million that's it beyond that can't have any more which means basically 13 out of every 14 of us need to be gone and who are the ones that remain you have people all over the world believing we have to dim the sun because of climate change. We have the Biden administration in the United States that is totally sold out to this paganism of climate change. And and I call it a fraud for one reason. I've been watching all my life since I was in high school all the predictions of doom and gloom on the climate if we didn't do something in 10 years. We've been told we only have 10 years left for 55 or 60 years. We only have 10 years, and it's all done. It's all over. And they're still saying it today. I have somewhere in my office, if I can find it, maybe I'll share it next weekend or maybe sometime next week, a list of the top 100 predictions of climate disaster that have been made that should have occurred by now or long ago. These were the headline stories. These were what high school kids were being told in the late 70s and 80s and 90s. These predictions of gloom and doom picked up by the news networks and Hollywood, social media now. And none of them ever came came to pass. I can even remember back in 2005, Hurricane Katrina, remember that? And every climate scientist on CNN, NBC, the newly found MSNBC, was beginning to get traction. They're all saying that because of man-made climate change or global warming, they hadn't changed the term yet. They changed the term when the earth wasn't warming. So rather than having to change global cooling to global warming, just have a one phrase catches all climate change. We were told because of global warming, man-made global warming, because I drove a Jeep Grand Cherokee, even though it only had a six-cylinder engine in it, I was destroying the planet single-handedly. And... Because of that, hurricanes were going to be more frequent, more destructive, more powerful than ever before in history. You just watch. Next year, man, 
2006, Florida will get slammed you know, 10 times. The coast, South Carolina, Georgia, Virginia, Florida, even maybe New York and New Jersey. New England would see extreme hurricane action because of man-made global warming. This was the prediction. This was the mantra you had to believe. And what happened? Hurricanes went quiet for over a decade. Over a decade, it got vastly quiet out there in the Atlantic. And their predictions, once again, fell apart. But does anybody ever apologize and say, we got it wrong? No, they just pretend that they didn't say it. They believe because of the attention span today that you and I and everybody else forgot all about it. And they can say it again and we'll believe it. We worship the earth. It's an occult-type religion. It is an occult-type religion that wants a worldwide religion, a one-world government, a one-world order. Over the centuries, since, well, the times of of the New Testament being written, we've seen a lot of trouble on this planet. People during the Second World War if you were behind the German lines or if you were in the Philippines after the Japanese came, you would have thought this is the end of the world. This is your great tribulation. After the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, millions of people died. And they may have thought too, this is, this is the time of the end. Behind the lines in Nazi Germany, same thing. And you can go back through history. You can go back to the bubonic plague in Europe. You can go back to all these incidents where it looked like this could be the end. But it wasn't. Today, we also have trials and tribulations and turmoil. But there are a few things different that came to my mind today. And what came to my mind was all the things that this demonic world wants to see happen. This new religion, recycled paganism, that's all it really is, recycled paganism. Worship the earth, child sacrifice, that's called abortion. And I know there are some people listening to me that are going, oh, one of those crazy Bible-thumping whack jobs on my radio. I look at the world from a very pragmatic point of view. Yeah, a distinctly Christian one, but very pragmatic. And so I, I listen to these people and their climate change predictions. I've listened intently for 50 some odd years. Guess what? They have been consistently wrong. Oh, we're taught about, we're we're told about droughts in Europe. We're told about floods in Pakistan. We hear about all of these, these issues. And we're told that maybe the temperature has risen more than one degree Celsius since the pre-industrial revolutionary temperatures. And we're supposed to believe that they're going to be right when they've been wrong. 
consistently. But they're going to get it right this time. And see, now all the dire predictions are so far down the road, people like you and I will be dead and gone before they have to admit they were wrong. Or by then, they'll hope people forgot as they came up with a new set of predictions of why we have to dim the sun or lock you down for climate change because we can't have people out shopping in such large large numbers. You know, the carbon footprint. We're a carbon-based planet, people. CO2 is a life-giving gas to all of the plant life on this planet. And to say that it's some kind of a greenhouse gas and poison actually goes against real science. This is, this is junk science. And yet you are told to believe it like a religion. If you ever go against it on Facebook, they will send you to their climate change information page to get your mind right. Today, what we have different than during the Second World War or 50 years ago, even 25 years ago, even 15 years ago. There are some things that are vastly different. Number one, our technology. We've mentioned on this program a number of times a beast-like you know, system, a cashless society. Well, 100 years ago, you could get around that real easy. 200 years ago, a lot of people never had any cash. They simply bartered for the things that they needed. But today, we've moved into a different, more computerized world. And for those that, for those that want to buy something or need something, if they live in a city, they have to go to a store. And these stores are pretty big. And they have point-of-sale softwares to run their registers. And people are using their Visa, their MasterCard, their Discover, their debit cards, whatever. Not that many people use cash anymore. And so the idea of a central bank digital currency is not that far-fetched. You have banks next year in the United States are going to be doing pilot programs, trying it out, seeing how a digital currency works. After all, how many of us have been lulled into using our card at the gas pump instead of cash? How many of us are finding ourselves using these cards, our debit cards, just to do everyday shopping and not carry a bunch of cash? That's pretty much the majority of American people today. Cash is not the king that it used to be. And so, for your safety and for the health of the planet, we will move to this cashless society. Number one, it's going to be told to you that it is safer. It's safer than carrying around that filthy money that may contain a virus. You know, you never know. We were told that at the beginning of COVID, by the way. I can remember hearing that public service announcement, you know, don't use cash because cash could carry a virus and infect the cashier. So this is nothing new. And I'm not making up some weird stuff here. Our technology and the ability to move data. 
Now, I'm not going to get into a debate. I don't want to get into a debate, and I'm not going to even answer any letters on this one. But the greatest danger of 5G is not some of the stuff that people are telling me they think that it is. I'm into electronics. I'm under, I understand radio frequency technology. It's what I did for a living. And so a lot of this stuff is absolute, you know, grade B movie nonsense that I that people try to push out there. And they can't prove it. Well, this researcher said, well, this researcher said a lot of things, and I'm looking at it, that are scientifically not true. But people don't understand. If you're not in the industry, it's hard to understand. The biggest danger of our computer technology, our fiber optics, and even, yes, 5G, and there'll be 6G and 7G. These are The G stands for generation, by the way. Is the ability of moving large amounts of data at incredible speeds. Facial recognition software on all the cameras out there would be useless 15, 20 years ago. You had no way to collect that data, move that data, analyze that data, and react to the data. By the time you did, it was way too late. Whatever you were trying to recognize was long gone. Today, because of the data speed, that facial recognition software can break down that picture into the pixelated information it's needing to compare it to a database and in just microseconds have the information back. Not minutes or hours, microseconds. That's the real danger of a lot of our technology, the speed of moving data. A lot has happened in, in my lifetime and even before, just before I was born. The Second World War changed the face of Europe. People will argue this one with me as well, but, but it's a reality we have to understand. Israel became a nation in 1948. The United Nations came into being in 1945. And those two entities are things that nobody would have predicted possible just 50 years before they came into being. It seemed like a, a pipe dream. Between technology, our weaponry, our ability of surveillance, controlling money and currency, sneaking in as a central bank digital currency, Remember what happened up in Canada when truckers were protesting these vaccine mandates. They did not want to take them. They're, in, they're inside of a truck. And if, and I don't want to get into this topic, but I'll just say this much. If a vaccine is supposed to protect you from getting COVID-19, and it doesn't, if a vaccine is supposed to stop you from spreading COVID-19, and now we know for a fact it does not, seems the people coming down with COVID two and three times are fully vaccinated. So apparently the claim to take this experiment, that it would stop you from getting or spreading, is a lie. And so these truckers said enough. We don't want to be part of the experiment. Let us drive our trucks in peace. And those that protested in Canada had their bank accounts frozen 
by the little man-child that pretends he's a world leader, Justin Trudeau. And other government dictators, even in states in the United States, behaved no differently. They were equally as obnoxious, equally as power-driven, equally as power-drunk as they fought to control your life and thinking that they could control a virus. Some of the good news out there, even China's had to back down a little bit on their crushing of, of dissidents. They're beginning to say, well, maybe you know, we, we've, we've already solved the problem, so we don't need to lock down. No, that's their way of quietly realizing they've got too many people angry. The nation of Brazil, it's in turmoil, yet you won't see that on MSNBC. You won't see it on NBC, ABC, or CBS. You won't read about it in the New Yorker or the New York Times or the Washington Post or the any of them. They're ignoring it. They're ignoring Brazil. Why? Because, see, the people in Brazil have taken to the streets by the millions to protest a fraudulent election. They know their election was a fraud. And the last thing the media wants you to know is that it was a fraud. There's some good news in spite of the bad. Yeah, all the ingredients for Jesus to return. And let's be honest about that. It's about time for Jesus to come back, in my opinion, personally. I'll be talking about that on the other side of the break. Nations rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom. We've all heard about it, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places, all the beginning of sorrows, Christians being persecuted. Christians now are the most persecuted religion on the planet, period, bar none. False prophets deceiving many. The love of many will, are, is waxing cold. And, you know, we th- this fits today because now we have we have the technology to make a mark happen where we didn't 50 years ago. We have a deceived populace that believes genders are fluid, that we can control the climate. We need to worship the planet. And if we sacrifice children in the womb, it makes for a better life for us. It's all recycled paganism. It's Moloch worship. It's Diana worship. It's Gaia worship. It's just packaged and and bought out like it's science instead of what it really is. I really believe we live in a time that we're getting really close to our Lord's return. It's because we see the ability of these things actually able to happen. And yeah, Israel became a nation. Now, some say it became a nation in 48. Some say that it became the full nation that it's supposed to be in 67. I'm not going to get into date setting. I I never do that. I won't do it. But I'm saying the signs of his coming are everywhere. Now, one little quick bit of good news, then I'm going to move on. Disney, good old Disney, They have been going woke and going broke for a long time to the point that 
between the pandemic and parents saying enough is enough and canceling their vacations there and their trips and, and cruises, they had to get rid of their CEO and bring back Jack Icor. And this little bit came out. There was kind of a virtual town hall among employees. And this little exchange is like under a minute, but listen. There's a virtual question. Many cast members had wished that Disney stayed out of politics. Will Disney stay out of making political statements? You know, I think uh, there's a misperception here about what politics is. And I think that some of the subjects that have proven to be controversial as it relates to Disney have been branded political, and I don't necessarily believe they are. I don't think when you are telling stories and attempting to be a good citizen of the world that that's political. Just not how I view it. Do I like the company being embroiled in controversy? Of course not. It can be distracting, and it can have a negative impact on the company. And to the extent that I can work to kind of quiet things down, I'm going to do that. But I think it's, it's important to put in perspective what some of these subjects are and not just simply brand them political. And there's the CEO of Disney realizing that the bottom line has now been impacted by the wokeness, and maybe it's time that we back off. I don't think they mean to back off permanently just for now. They enjoyed the tax breaks they had with the state of Florida that they lost. And they want them back. So they're going to behave themselves for a while. Public education. We have these transgender teachers teaching little kids. We have all of this strangeness going on in our world that if you had gotten on the television 50 years ago and made these predictions, you would have been laughed at. But today... They are about as real as real can be. When we come back on the other side, I've got some biblical prophecy that I want to share and a message of hope about where we really are going. Now, I want to thank all of you that are supporting this ministry. This is still a tough time. It's getting better. Thank you. And Give, Send, Go has been a godsend to this ministry. For those that prefer to give online, it is a Christian organization. And you can give to this ministry by going to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com. Truththenumber2ponder.com. We no longer are using PayPal. They are just too woke for this, this ministry, and I don't want to risk any funds being taken because they decide they don't like the message. Give, send, go. The link is right there at our website, truththenumber2ponder.com. If you prefer using U.S. mail, you can send a check. And the check or money order can be made payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address for Ancient Word Radio and Truth to Ponder, very simple. Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowee, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code in Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. That's 24319. 24319. And we will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The stripping of the Zoroa coming up. 
Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Well, in the first verse of Isaiah 53 is an amazing thing. It says, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well, the Hebrew word for arm of the Lord is Zoroah. There's a lot to that. That's talking about Messiah. There's a lot to it. Won't get into here, but listen to this. It says, to whom has the arm or Zoroah of the Lord been revealed? The Hebrew word revealed is amazing. It's the word gala, which means revealed, but particularly in a disgraceful way. It means to whom has the Zoroah, the arm or Messiah been disgraced. It also means to be stripped naked. In a disgraceful way. To whom has the Zoroah, the arm, Messiah, been stripped naked in a disgraceful way? Gala, revealed, also means to be treated like a captive, be going to captivity, to be denigrated. Amazing. Even this word for revealing the arm of the Lord speaks of the arm of the Lord, Messiah, being stripped naked, being disgraced, being taken captive. Amazing. In that one word in Isaiah 53. God didn't just reveal himself. He stripped himself. He allowed himself to be humiliated, degraded to save us. The blessings of God are free, but none of them came without a cost. They came with a great cost. God loves you. He'd go through hell to save you. Live for him in the same way, freely given. But even if it costs you everything, even if it means you're humiliated, you're persecuted, you're whatever it is, whatever it takes, he loved you with his heart, mind, soul, and strength at a great cost, counted it as joy. Follow him, love him, my friend, serve him, my friend, in a manner worthy of that cost. Want more? Ask for Secret of the Zoroa on CD. How'd you like to be more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings? How about move mountains? Well, you can. Sapphire is the super spiritual supplement for a super spiritual walk in the Lord with so much stuff, plus the incredible Mystery of the Temple Doors on CD, all free. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 for your free gifts. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. It's amazing. The farthest way your life can ever impact the world for salvation. Blank of the earth on shortwave radio. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 or 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now you can write me direct at the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's the Nice Jewish Boy. It's Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time this is jonathan khan saying shalom alechem peace be to you my friend in messiah hasar shalom the prince of peace this is truth to ponder with bob bierman and welcome back to part two of Truth to Ponder, the weekend edition. And I'm so glad that many of you do listen on radio, listen as a podcast. Would you take a moment this weekend and let me know that you do listen? And if you can, how do you listen? On radio? On what station? What time? Maybe what frequency? Or as a podcast? If so, what service? So I can be a better steward of what we have. This is a listener-supported radio program and podcast, and it has no paid employees, including me. I'm not a paid employee. God laid on my heart to do this program, and I'm being obedient to Him. 
we've come a long way in a bad way in the United States. I'm thinking about places like Union Theological Seminary in New York City, one of the oldest seminaries in the nation. And they have gone completely pagan. They now have classes on social justice and literally confessing your sins to plants and animals. Many of the great seminaries of our nation in the United States and even in Canada, colleges and universities were founded as religious and Christian institutions. No longer. They've long abandoned that. Harvard University, Princeton, just to name a couple. Yale, Duke in North Carolina. They've all abandoned their Christian heritage. We need to be building Christ Church because things are changing and they're going to change fast. While there's the opening, while we can, while I can develop platforms to use online as well as over the air, we're going to have to do it. We can no longer sit on the sidelines and be a spectator. We need to get in the game. We are on the second Sunday in Advent. Christmas is three weeks away. And there's a prayer for today. goes like this. Blessed Lord, who has caused all scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read them, mark, learn, inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort, by thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou givest in to us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, in the more traditional liturgies of the church, the gospel appointed for today comes from Luke chapter 21, and it begins at verse 25. And, and this is so true. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things have begun to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, your redemption draweth nigh. And he spake to them, this is Jesus, he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves the summer is nigh at hand. So likewise ye... When you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily, verily, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away until all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. Advent is a season of anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. We remember his birth in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago. We remember his earthly ministry, his death on the cross, his ascension into heaven, 
and has promised that he will return. And we look at all these prophecies, we, we've seen over 2,000 years the distress of nations, the earthquakes, the wars, the lack of peace, brokenheartedness, and evil. It's always been there. The spirit of Antichrist, the Bible says, is already here. It has been here. Demons are running rampant. And now they're coming back with what I call neo-paganism. But now we have the technology to usher in a beast system and time. Seminaries and church bodies have walked away, have abandoned the gospel. They no longer believe. I can remember a hymn that I learned as a youngster, and it, it one of those kind of hymns that haunts you to a degree. Wake, awake, for night is flying. The watchmen, the watchmen are sighing. Awake, Jerusalem, arise. To understand that this program, like many others, we are watchmen on the wall. We are calling you to repentance. We are pointing you to the day that Jesus Christ is coming again. Are you ready? Advent not only remembers his first coming, but it prepares us for his glorious second coming. Several years ago, I preached a sermon at a church in Florida on the second Sunday in Advent that talks about Jesus' glorious return. And I ask you as you listen to this message again, are you ready? Are you ready for his return? I invite you to join me in that service from five years ago. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Music has always been a part of my life since my early, earliest childhood memories. I may have shared this before. My wife now knows that when I was a little guy, I was a boy soprano, and I used to sing a lot in choirs, and I remember the hymn we just sang. Now, depending upon how you translate the German for that particular hymn, it's a great Lutheran hymn, can't you tell? It's, the words can be translated a little bit differently, and I'm always reminded of being in a choir practice in the first time I was now in the men and boys choir. This was really an honor. And we were practicing this as an anthem, this particular hymn we just sang. And the words were translated on that first verse a little differently. Instead of the bridegroom will appear, um, it was the bridegroom is at hand. A lot of people will translate it that way. And I can remember we're singing this thing, we're practicing it at Trinity Lutheran, and we're in the basement of that church, our voices rising, and I can remember the sound of that piano going, Bam! and the chip bone, the choir master goes, the words are not the bridegroom is a ham, the bridegroom is at hand. Now, from the top. I'll never forget that as long as I live singing in that choir. Like I say, music has been a huge part of my life. As a, like I say, as a youngster, I was exposed to a lot of the classics, the great hymns of the church. 
And so I understood the term overture. I understand the term crescendo. And here we are in this season of Advent, and I can't help but think that Advent in so many ways is an overture to a great symphony, to a great masterpiece. Because, see, an overture, if you didn't know, contains a lot of the elements of what you're about to hear. Even the sound of music, remember that movie? The overture at the beginning, you're hearing bits and pieces of some of the music you're about to hear in the show. Any great Broadway show will have an overture. You're getting a little sample of what you're going to be hearing. Even the rock opera Tommy back in the 1970s had an overture and you could hear the bits and pieces of foreshadowing of what you're about to partake in. The season of Advent is a great overture. It gives us bits and pieces of something great yet to come for us to hear. But most of you probably assume I'm telling you it's a prelude to Christmas. No, it isn't. It's the prelude to a whole lot more. Christmas is just one step of the way. It's just the beginning of the first act. If you look at the readings today in our epistle, in our gospel, we are seeing a foreshadowing of the things yet to come. Here we are in Advent and our mindset is we're preparing ourselves for Christmas. But we're preparing ourselves for so much more. In the ancient church, I mean the first 100, 200 years, Christmas was not really celebrated as we think of it today. It was kind of an afterthought. They accepted the fact that Christ was born. They understood that. And they hadn't even developed the church calendar as we understand it today to help those that are coming into, into the faith learn about the faith. It's much later that the arbitrary date of December the 21st is applied because it just kind of coincided with a former holiday. You know, there are those that will tell you that Jesus was born in September, maybe April. I mean, there's some division on that, but it doesn't matter. The fact that he was born, it does matter. If you were to go back 200 years ago in this nation, whether in England, whether in Rome, the celebration of Christmas as we have it today was nowhere near as elaborate. It was basically a one-day event that led into a 12-day celebration taking you into what was really important in their eyes, the 12th day of Christmas, which is Epiphany. God manifesting himself to the Gentiles. The fact of his birth was just that, of he was born of the Virgin Mary. We say it in the creed. And they didn't make a big deal of it because it was just the opening of the first act. Advent to us is that overture, and we are seeing the bits and pieces of his ministry and his coming a second time to reclaim his church. We really should be looking forward 
to the grand finale, the ultimate crescendo. And what is that? Easter. Easter. Advent really is getting us from point A to that point where we as the redeemed church have now been empowered. The world loves Christmas because it talks about a baby and nice, happy thoughts. And even though the world is pulling away from the babe in Bethlehem and making more room for Frosty the Snowman, instead, or anything else besides the Messiah, it's always been easy to talk about the babe in Bethlehem because the babe is innocent. He makes no requirement of you. He's just a gift. What does Jesus say, that little babe, as he grows up? Take your cross and follow me. See, the message of Christmas to the world, as they like to give it in their own lingo, it's all peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Okay, that's part of the story, yes. Jesus came to bring light into the world. He came to bring salvation to mankind. He came to bring a lot of things. But in getting those things, there's something that we give on our part, ourselves, our souls, our bodies, to be a living sacrifice unto him. The world doesn't want to hear that part of the message. They don't want to hear about the cross or the resurrection. What the world wants to hear is the happy little child born in Bethlehem that makes everybody happy again, and life goes on. We have our little Christmas miracles we'll see on TV, lots of them. We see a lot of those every year. The, the, the shows keep coming out and keep coming out. And the message always is heart-rendering when you think about it. It's always the poor little child that doesn't have anything and somehow the greedy person sees the light and gives the family what they need. And these are all great stories to share. They're all very true. But one of the things that still stands out to me is that babe that was born in Bethlehem, and that's a, a why he was born there. There's so much about that you, that I, we could get into some other day and we will. That babe was born to die. He was born to die to overcome death and the grave, and that is the grand crescendo. Actually, it's the crescendo, but not the finale. The crescendo is the opening of that grave and him stepping out on Jerusalem. The grand finale is when he comes again to claim his own. For me, for the first time in a number of years, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. For, for personal reasons and things that I've gone through, this will be the first time I've actually bothered to celebrate Christmas, put lights up, decorations, or anything in three years. First time in three years. And there have been times in the past that 12 years ago I didn't either. But this year is beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. Not because I'm celebrating just the birth of a babe in Bethlehem. I'm remembering that God gave his only begotten son that who should ever believe on him should not perish, but have 
everlasting life. So if we look at Advent as part of the great symphony of what is the church and our faith, we are still in the overture. We are waiting for that first act to begin. And then we are waiting for that crescendo and then the grand finale when every eye shall see him and every tongue shall confess him, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the author of our peace. He is the author of our salvation. He came once humbly. He will come again in glory. And I pray for each and every one of us here that we are not just ready to receive a babe in Bethlehem, but to receive our soon coming King. Advent hymns that I know next to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Lo, 
he comes in clouds descending. He's going to return. He will appear the same way that he left, but every eye will behold him and every knee shall bow before him. Every politician, every so-called prophet of God, every non-believer will bow their knee before him. I truly believe that. I also believe that we're living in a time that we are speeding toward that day of judgment. We cannot be just spectators on the sideline. We can't just hide in the inside of our churches. Too many churches are shrinking, aging out, getting gray hair, and not really, not really sharing the message of the gospel. And part of where this radio program needs to be going more and more each and every week is to empower you to be a part of the living body of Christ, which is the church. It's not a building, it's not an organization, it's the living body of Christ. We need to have people prepared. We have to have people repent. We have to have people knowing who their Savior is to acknowledge his first coming and recognize his second coming. This weekend is going to be a weekend of ministry for me. I'll share more about that next week. Now, as we come to the close of our program today, here we are, first week in December, last week of the, of the year. Where is 2022 gone? It's been a very, very turbulent time. It's been difficult for this ministry. I, I will tell you, and, and I want to thank all of you that are coming to our rescue to keep us going. It's still tight. It's still difficult, and your help is still needed. If you can help us out, I mentioned before, we use Give, Send, Go, a Christian online funding organization where you can give securely. If it's easier for you to do it online, I recommend Give, Send, Go. And you can go to our website, truththenumber2ponder.com. That's truththenumber2ponder.com. A surprising number of you did that this past week, many for the first time. And it, it humbled me, and I'll be honest, it brought tears to my wife's eye. She, she just was overwhelmed by your generosity. We're getting there. Thank you. If you prefer, you can still mail a check, make the check payable or money order to Ancient Word Radio, and the mailing address is Post Office Box 510. That's Post Office Box 510510. The city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia. We're in the extreme southwest corner of the state. Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code in Chilhowie is 24319. That's zip again, 24319, post office box 510. Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. Remember, keep looking up, because your redemption draweth nigh. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.